We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. June of 1987, Tommy, Magic's Game 4 baby hook with two seconds to go. Dick Stockton, Tommy Heinsohn on the call uh, in those 87 finals. And now Magic Johnson could be the ownership face of the Washington football franchise. Let me just tell you, because you know I did this right before the show. I went and found the highlight. I could have sat there and said, let me call you back about in, in about an hour and watch that game at least <laughs> from the fourth quarter on. I mean, that's the NBA was so great back then. Lakers went on to win that series four games to two. Remember, they won in 85 and 87 over the Lakers after losing in 84. Um, and Magic was, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to play that highlight too coming in is you and I, we don't have a lot of like the same favorites in a lot of different things, and some things we do, but you and I both love Magic Johnson and have always had Absolutely. him near or at the top of the list of the greatest players of all time. Yes. And, yes. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I think. And now it, it looks like he could wind up being an owner for the Washington. Uh, temporary commanders. <laughs> temporary, hopefully temporary. Yes. I mean, I had um, the guy from Sportico. His name is um, uh, Eben Novi Williams. Uh, he broke the story yesterday that Magic Johnson is joining the Josh Harris bid uh, for the commanders. And I've got some information on that. And Tommy's got some stuff that he wants to mention as well related to this and something that he tweeted out over the weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, there isn't an expectation that magic's going to like invest a lot of capital, although he did invest $50 million of his own money into the Dodgers purchase um, back in 2011, uh, and that purchase was at $2 billion, and the Dodgers are now worth $5.24 billion. Um, I don't know if it'll be a $50 million investment or a $100 million investment. He certainly won't be the majority owner um, in this bid. Josh Harris will be. But because Mitch Rails has been described as someone who would not be 
uh, a person that would be out there as an owner. And by the way, Josh Harris has very much been in the background as an owner of the Devils and 76ers. Maybe Magic would be kind of the front person for ownership. Wouldn't be a bad thing. I don't know if he would be the front person. I think every time he'd be out there for you, it would be a plus for your ownership. I mean, he hasn't been the front person for the Dodgers, even though he owns a piece of the Dodgers. But when he's talking about the Dodgers, people wake up and notice. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a good thing. It, 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 you know, there's no way it's not a good thing, and it certainly dresses up uh, the uh, Harris uh, bid. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the NFL would love, I would think, to be in business with, with Magic Johnson. Tommy, the the gentleman that I had on radio this morning um, that wrote this story, that broke this story, Evan Novi williams told me that, you know, he didn't get into specifics but said Magic was very much out there as a face of Dodgers ownership. I don't think he was quoted often when it came to business or personnel issues okay. with, the, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right. Okay. You know, he was at the stadium – he may have been interviewed by by the uh, by you know the, the guys with microphones, you know, because he's Magic Johnson. And again, if if you know if if that's your face, but in terms of uh, the, the leadership, uh, you know, he he's not going to have that cachet, and he's he's probably not going to be that that the face the face of the leadership of of the organization. I mean, you know, it, if if Josh Harris and 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 Mitch Rails are background guys, you're looking at a team president probably that will be uh, hired that will be very much the face uh, and the voice of the team. Yeah, yeah. Whoever, do you think it'll be the C, the current CBO? <laughs> chief blunder officer. <laughs> yeah. Tommy refers to Jason Wright as the chief blunder officer. Do you think he would be the the face of it? Um I uh, god, uh, who knows. Um I, I I I look, I don't know what Magic's role would be or wouldn't be. Um adding Magic Johnson to a bid, you know, get, makes me smile a little bit the thought that he might be involved somehow. Yeah. Um, because I'm such a big fan of, of, by the way, not only one of the more transformational players that has ever played the game. I mean, people, you, you have to understand, and you can tell me about Oscar, but Oscar was not a pure point guard. Magic Johnson came into the league as a pure point guard, a, 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 a old school pass first point guard at six foot nine inches tall. And he's one of the greatest passers in the history of the game and for my money and you tell me who's better in terms of leading a fast break offense the Showtime Lakers of the 80s with Magic running the break with you know Worthy on one wing and Cooper or Byron Scott on the other there was no more lethal fast break in NBA history than what the Lakers had during that era with Magic leading it and um, I, I'm just, I've always been, a, look, I, I, I'll put Michael ahead of Magic, but Magic's always been my number two in the non-center conversation. Uh, or, you know, at times he's been number one, but I think I've come around to accepting that Michael's probably the number one of all time. Um, 
By the way, Larry Bird missed the shot. There were two seconds left when he hit that baby hook, and the Celtics called timeout, advanced the ball to half court, and Larry Bird got a great look in the corner, and it hit, it hit off the back iron and uh, went awry, and the Lakers won the game 107 to 106. God, those series back then were great. But I'd love oh to Oh, my God. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't really value how great they were. We knew they were great. But now, you know, when we see the NBA today, we recognize how great they really were. Those, the, the 80s, I think the 80s NBA is my favorite decade of the NBA by far. And my team wasn't very good. I mean, I, you know, I do remember, and I remember very much the title against the the Supersonics in 78 and the loss in 79. And I remember the 75 loss to Golden State. Um, But the 80s, even though the Bullets weren't that good, the Bullets weren't terrible. They were going to the playoffs with Jeff Rulin and Ricky Mahorn and and Gus Williams and Danny Roundfield. And I mean, they had a bunch of players that they would bring in and bring. Jeff Malone. Jeff Malone became a big part of it. And they they had a couple of really good series. They had a really good series with Boston um, the year that the Sixers won it in 83. They lost five game in five games to Boston in the conference semifinals, but I'm telling you, all five games were basically decided by a point, and I think there were two overtime games um, in that series. I mean, the Bullets weren't terrible then, but but man, to watch the Lakers and the Celtics, and I was definitely much more of a Magic guy back then and Lakers guy than I was a Celtics guy. Now, I loved Gervin and the Spurs, and they would always get beat by the Lakers. Um, but I loved watching Magic and those NBA Finals and, you know, throwing the Sixers, obviously, during that, you know, uh, era, throwing the Pistons, obviously, later in the decade. Um, you know, and the Houston Rockets had some really good teams uh, during those years uh, as well. I mean, the NBA was phenomenal. It was really dominated by just a few teams, though. You know, it was... Yes. It was the... You know, actually, you know, for me, you know, the next... The 70s were the decade, but, and, you know, most Knicks fans disagree with me about this, at least the ones who were born, uh, you know, when they were 10 years old or something like that in the 80s. But uh, the Bernard King era of the Knicks was in the 80s. And that, to me, was a better era than the Ewing era of the Knicks, the Bernard King era. Yeah, but Ewing made it to the finals at least. Bernard King never sniffed, I know. you know, deep into the playoffs because they were up no, they, against they the 76ers the, and the Celtics. The, well, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. What year? Where they lost to the Celtics in seven games. The, the Bernard King Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals. What year? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they did. They lost the series to the Celtics in seven games where the home team won every game. Okay. I mean, and I Celtics had home court advantage. Was that with Michael Ray Richardson on that team? And and Bill Cartwright. Yeah. Um, hold on, I'm looking this up because I don't think you're right. Um, all right, let's look at the uh, the Bernard King era. I mean, it's the '80s. He wasn't on that team in the '70s, and they didn't go to the, right. You know, so Eastern Conference Finals: seventy-nine, eighty, Sixers, Celtics, Sixers, Celtics. I didn't say finals. I said semifinals. Oh, I thought you said Eastern Conference Finals. No. Oh. Semifinals. Oh yeah, no, that that's true. I think you first said the Eastern Conference Finals. 
People will be rewinding so. this now to see, but if you didn't like say the, that, like the, then like I just the, didn't like hear the you. Film. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope it doesn't get that Well, ugly. if I said finals, I believe I meant semifinals. But, but by the way, in looking at this, it's crazy because this is, this is a decade in which really the dominance, I mean, so are the 90s, but it's Sixers, Sixers Celtics, Sixers Celtics, Sixers Bucks, Celtics Bucks, Celtics Sixers, Celtics Bucks. I mean, that's the, that's the Eastern Conference Finals for the first half of the decade. Then it's Celtics Pistons, Celtics Pistons, Pistons Bulls, Pistons Bulls. And then you get into the 90s. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the whole, it became so dominant. It's so funny, by the way, to look at the NBA history and to see that the beginning of Magic and Bird was like the beginning, it was like the rebirth of the NBA because the two years previous to the um, to Magic winning as a rookie in 1980 and then Bird winning as a second-year player in 81 and them taking the league over, it was the Bullets and the Sonics for two straight years, and they were in games were on tape delay on CBS. Yes, you know it was really the NBA was dead at the end of the seventies when the Bullets were you know when they won their title. Um, and by the way, you know the Seventy Sixers had a very you know uh, big name marquee team with. You know, Dr. J coming over from the ABA and joining Daryl Dawkins and World Be Free and George McGinnis. And, you know, the 76ers were supposed to win all those titles. They lost to the Blazers and they lost to the Bullets one year in the Eastern Conference Finals um, with Dr. J. Uh, the year the Bullets won the title, they beat the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. But that was the end. That was like the end of, of, of an era in the NBA. And then a new one started and it ran through. Magic Bird, obviously Jordan, um, Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, you know, and here we are. Yeah. Yep. And the Wizards missed all that. I know. Fucked through all those errors. By the way, they are so bad. They've played so badly in recent (laughs) weeks. I mean, you know, and by the way, they're. It's really disappointing. I mean, you know, I mean, Tommy Shepard. I'm really disappointed with the way the rosters turn out. I mean, the funny thing, I think they've got more talent on this team than they've had in a while. I just, I don't know that Wes is the right guy. Yeah. I mean, he's such a nice yeah, well, guy. you know, but I know, but that, that's a big hire for the guy, for the general manager, the coach. I hear you. Um... Let me read a couple of reviews before we get back to uh, the story on Magic Johnson. Um, this from uh, Ten Hogs. Found a recipe for the hot brown sandwich on YouTube and made it. I get so much useful information from your show. Delicious doesn't do it justice. <laughs> Love the show. Um, from Fluff Bay. Uh, great podcast. No callers make this a much better option. Someone said Lavero is always right, huh? Entertaining, yes, right rarely. <laughs> and then somebody responded to that. I was also a Tommy denier, but after many years, you too can overcome that fear. Him, that smug face in the back of Shelley's with a stogie and an expensive beer. He is so inside, you would think he was a beat writer posing as Danny's butler on one of his many toys. And then he writes, um, Kevin, 
quote, this was my quote last week about uh, Sam Howell. Teams invest more time in their biggest investments while teams invest less time in lesser investments. Thanks, Kamala, for the insight. (laughs) Did that come up in a (laughs) pop-up book? LOL, great show. Never miss Tommy. Keep up the great work. Go Terps, go Commies. Um, Appreciate that from Seaman626. I do want to just defend myself. I said it in the same way that I say... You know, is it better, Tommy, uh, if you're losing in a game, to have more time on the clock or less time on the clock? It was kind <laughs> of in that same general tone, or at least that's what I meant it to be. But um, really, oh, that, that'll clear that'll clear it up just fine. <laughs> I really appreciate. We really appreciate the reviews and the five star ratings. You can do that on Apple for sure. You can do it on. Uh, Spotify, anywhere else you can do it. It really helps us. And as I've mentioned recently, the new thing uh, that I'm I'm being asked uh, to uh, push a little bit on all of you is to follow us. So there's a big plus sign with a follow uh, button top right-hand corner of your iPhone when you're listening to this podcast. If you haven't followed us, just click that and follow us. And on Spotify, it's on the left-hand side. Um, uh, and it says follow, there's a follow button there and that really helps us as well. So it's much appreciated. So anyway, this story yesterday from Eben Novi Williams broke that Magic Johnson is joining the Josh Harris bid and, uh, that was big news. So we now know that the Josh Harris bid is Harris, Mitch Rails and Magic Johnson. Um, the, you know, Magic Johnson was, I did not know this until reading this story. I didn't realize this, that Magic Johnson was actually part of the Josh Harris bid for the Broncos. Um, the NFL, you know, wants more black minority ownership. I mean, they'd love to have black majority ownership, but they're going to have to relax some of their restrictions on buying NFL teams. If not, the demand may be there, but the ability to do anything with that demand is really hard. It's really hard to buy a $6 billion NFL (laughs) franchise um, because they don't allow private equity. They don't allow sovereign uh, money. They don't, they don't, they don't allow big time foreign money. So, um, you know, you're talking about a limited audience. And, you know, I'll go back to what I had said a couple of weeks ago. It was brought to my attention by someone, you know, on the periphery of what was going on that, you know, several of the people that were initially had initially expressed interest. Remember, there were there were reports that up to a half dozen bidders were in on that December 23rd date that everybody thought was like first round when it was actually what it was. And it it was like qualifying yourself as someone who was interested so that you could then receive the prospectus. But when people got a load of the prospectus, they're like, this team's not worth $6 billion. And we've gone through the reasons. I mean, their net profits dropped in the last five years significantly. You have to invest billions into a new stadium. And... This team isn't the Broncos in, in, in regards to the fan base. The fan base isn't here anymore. You've got to go out and spend a lot of money to get people back and interested in addition to a new stadium. So um, a lot of those people dropped out, and I think what we're left with is Josh Harris and maybe Jeff Bezos. Here's what I've learned, Tommy, and then I want you to talk about what you tweeted over the weekend. So 
Um, my stance of this is going to happen sooner rather than later, and I think it's going to be Josh Harris, and I think it'll come in no more than $6 billion. That is now, I think a lot of people in town probably have gotten a sense that Josh Harris is on the verge of being the winning bidder for this franchise, and that an actual announcement could come any day now. The owners are meeting in Phoenix uh, starting on Sunday. Those meetings go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the 26th through the 29th. Um, and I think that there is an expectation, even though some owners have pushed back. I saw the Maskey, Liz Clark, Nikki Javala story where some owners still think that the timetable for this is not um, is way too aggressive if we're talking about next week. But uh, I, I think we are on the verge of getting at least at least an announcement that says pending league approval, pending maybe some more due diligence or whatever, Josh Harris's bid will be the winning bid. It's possible Bezos could get, get one last opportunity where Snyder says, you know, it came in at 5.8, I really want 6.3 or whatever, and maybe he turns to Bezos one la- you know, uh, for the first time and says, all right, I'll sell it to you. Um, you know, I don't know that that's completely out of the realm of possibility, but I think everybody's hearing right now, and I have heard, that this thing is imminent and that Josh Harris is going to be the winning bidder, and it's going to be somewhere right around $6 billion. Again, keep in mind, the announcement of, of this is imminent. You still have, it took two months for the deal to close in Denver from the time that they announced that the Penner slash Walton bid was the winning bid until the deal actually closed. You know, and the, the league voted and the deal actually closed with funds wired, etc. So there's still a long way to go after that piece until it's actually finalized. But um, those are the things that not only are being reported, but I think um, many, including me, are hearing from people that are, you know, in, uh, in touch with some of what's going on. So, I mean, this is an exciting time for sure. Uh, but um, it hasn't happened yet, but I think it's going to. So you tweeted I, out I something think, over the weekend. Okay, yeah. I, my information is that it is Josh Harris, and it will be announced very soon. But, uh, you know, let's remember the thing about, I mean, this, Dan Snyder is an, is an owner who once had an employee pour sour milk in the suite of, of, of somebody he made a deal with once. So he's capable I mean, I'm not sure this guy is satisfied with a business deal unless he feels like he screwed somebody over. So there's always the room for chaos and and something to get in the way. Uh, I tweeted out over the weekend uh, that, uh, okay, I I tweeted out, first of all, uh, back in November, I had heard that there was a big New York investment firm interested in bidding uh, for the commanders, and that Michael Jordan would be part of their group. And uh, I was not able to confirm that ever, so I never mentioned it, I never wrote it, I uh, never did anything with it. But then when the news came out last week that Jordan was selling 
his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets, that was also part of what I was told. I was told in November that Jordan would be selling his, his stake in the Hornets. Uh, so I thought, well, you know, if, he, if this person, I mean, out of the blue, got that part right, then maybe there's something to this. Not enough to write as a column. I didn't feel that good about it. But, you know, it, Twitter is basically you oh, throwing your window open and shouting out to the people on the street. Okay. <laughs> that's so what it that's, is. <laughs> yes. So, uh-huh. so that's what I did. I, and I, I, I qualified it. I said for what it's worth. In my tweet, yes, you did. I, I, explained. I read your tweet on the show Friday, and I said, and I didn't even talk to you, but when you put FWIW, I said, look, this isn't a report because he just wrote for what it's worth. But I said, right. Tommy has sources, and a lot of times his hunches are 100% right, and his reports are 100% right. But I read your tweet, and I probably should have called you before, um, but I didn't because I know you well enough to know that that wasn't you reporting something. That was, you know, right. trying to put, I, I uh, connect put some tweet, dots. I did put in the tweet I was never able to confirm that information. Right. So, I mean, I, I laid the groundwork to let everybody of semi-intelligence know that well, that's, this that's isn't Twitter. solid information, but it was curious that part of the information I was told did turn out to come true. When you roll that's your, all that was. When now, you roll it, your, it, it doesn't... When you roll your window down and you start shouting things out the window, don't assume that everybody that's hearing you is intelligent. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I know. I know, but it did, it did take off, and, and look, it doesn't seem to fit in at all with the narrative that's unfolding, right? Yeah, I mean, you're not, Magic and Jordan aren't both going to be part of the Harris bid, no. Right? No. no. So, and Bezos doesn't need bit, Michael. Is, well, but Bezos might want, look, the NFL might want Michael. Yeah. I mean, the NFL, I mean, part of what I was told is that then the Jordan brand would be a big part of what the commanders do uh, with their marketing and their uniforms and everything. And I would think that anybody would want to be in business with that, particularly the NFL. So while Bezos doesn't need Jordan, I think the NFL would love to have be able to say Michael Jordan is one of their minority investors. Uh, but, but again, I don't have no idea if that was the case. That would be the only probable way that this could unfold to actually turn out to be true. If indeed Bezos was involved, was getting a chance to still bid for the team and that Jordan was part of that as well. But again, at the, the way things are unfolding, that does not look like it's going to be the case. Um, I wanted to mention one other thing too, and that is it's not going to just be Josh Harris, Mitch Rails, and Magic Johnson. The, the the cost of the team being six billion, like like I said, the there aren't many people that can just slap down, you know, one point eight billion thirty percent down and then, you know, even though you can borrow up to a billion dollars, you know, write the check for the rest of it. It's just it's just a very, very small group. Obviously, Jeff Bezos is one of those people and the Walton family, the Walmart f- family, you know, they're in that category as well. Um, I think what you'll end up seeing when this is all uh, done is that, you know, Josh Harris is the lead, you know, controlling owner 
of the team, majority uh, stakeholder. But in addition to Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, there will probably be a group of another four to six, four to eight uh, investors or investor groups. Um, you know, if you put the, the price tag at $6 billion, making the math easier, and Josh Harris has $3 billion of it, Mitchell Rails is putting in a billion, and they're able to borrow a billion dollars, well, then, you know, four $250 million investors or, you know, eight $125 million investors, that's kind of the way the group would be rounded yeah. out. Um, I mean, people don't people don't uh, realize that the Washington Nationals, James Brown is minority investors in the Washington Nationals. There are often groups yeah. that have numerous minority investors, right. some of which you know uh, are 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 brought in for their profile. Uh, I mean, the Orioles, Barry Levinson is a part owner of of the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, and uh, so it happens like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, and, you know, you said something that I think everybody still considers a possibility deep down in, in, in the depths of their minds. And that is he's not doing this unless he feels like he could really unless he's really screwed somebody over. And I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but there. Let's not forget who's involved in selling this team. And the, fa- and, 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 and the facts are that almost everything he's gotten himself involved in since he's owned this team, and even outside of this team, usually gets messed up. And there aren't like five or six different groups hoping that it gets messed up with another group so that they can get jumped in, so they can jump in. Right now, you know, if he doesn't want to sell to Bezos – it seems like the Harris group is it, unless Tillman Fertitta is still in it, but I don't think he's in it for anywhere near what Dan's asking. There's always that possibility that he messes the whole damn thing up. And, and also, let's, let's also remember, he's being dragged into this, okay? You know, I mean, he's, got, he's probably got a lot of resentment about having to sell this team. Yeah, I don't think the family cares much about that anymore because I think they're a driving force in this thing, Tanya, uh, in particular, to say it's enough, it's time. Um, but yes, no, I understand. But but remember, uh, you know, uh, somebody had mentioned to me uh, two months ago, they're resigned. They don't want to be there. Or he doesn't want to be there. But they're resigned to the to the situation, which is they they really can't afford to keep this team with revenues continuing to drop and sponsors continuing to be, you know, limited. Um, they, they just can't do it. I mean, they certainly can't do it and buy it and, and, and somehow build a new stadium. So I, 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 you know, but to your point, by the way, remember what we read in the post recently about him, you know, wanting to be indemnified or it's not going to happen. I do think he believes he has some leverage here on the way out, and his leverage is they desperately want him to go at almost any cost. Like, they just yeah. want him out of the league the other owners do. So does Goodell. They want him gone, and they want this market, you know, uh, which has been on life support for years, to be resuscitated. And they know, fortunately they know, it can't happen with him here. 
So, you know, he's probably going to try to take advantage of that situation. You know, whether it's indemnification from the league or indemnification from the new owners or, you know, trying to squeeze the last few hundred million out of it. God, it's not nickels. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, we're getting close. Amazing. I said to my wife last night because I... I hung, up, I hung up with one of the people that I was talking to about this, and she said, what did you learn from that call? And I said, I had a couple things, but I said, you know what's really amazing is we've been talking about this now since November, which is when he, the announcement came out about Bank of America, and I feel like we've been you know, under the assumption that this was going to happen you know, now for several months, and we're, I'm almost feeling like we're not we're not embracing the moment like we would have if we just heard on one day he sold the team. But it's amazing he is selling the team. I mean, a year ago, six months ago, this wasn't really a possibility, even though you and I have had many conversations about how the league wants him out. He, you know, at some point, isn't he just going to uh, realize, my God, this is miserable owning this team. Nobody likes me. This isn't any fun. Um, you know, I never thought that the league voting him out was a legitimate possibility, and who knows? Um, but it's, I think it's going to happen, people. Like, yeah. Snyder's not going to own this team anymore. Now, I just hope the you know new guy comes in that? and changes the name. What? We need, to, we need to maybe open up a deprogramming camp, <laughs> okay, for, for fans. I mean, to basically deprogram yes. them about expecting the worst, about, about you know, uh, not taking this franchise, which is really the way to operate for the last, I'd say, 10 years, I would say, but I definitely in the last four or five, the way people have, not take them seriously as a football organization. I know I'm going to have to go through that deprogramming. I'm going to have to say, well, this is not, this is not the, 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 the Dan Snyder commanders anymore. And we need to recognize that every day when that happens. Do you think if we open up a deprogramming camp... It'll be like the Michael Scott paper company when they use the Korean church bus and people will start getting on not knowing what it is, and we'll end up with a bunch of religious nutcases coming into the camp saying, deprogram me from this cult I was in. Um, I, 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 you, don't deprogram, you don't deprogram people who have checked out. You deprogram people who have been... Um, That's true. Right? Who, who have basically... Uh, been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when Patty Hearst was, you know, part of that cult. Hostage. She was held hostage, but what was the mental process? What's the word I'm looking for? Brainwashed. Brainwashed is what I'm looking for. Um, there you go. Do, when you deprogram people who are brainwashed, we haven't been brainwashed. We've just checked out and stopped paying attention. We need, um... We need. It's almost like we need people to show up to say we got to get you back into shape. You've gotten yeah. out of shape here over the last ten years. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that's it. You need to get people back into the building. Yeah, you know, they they've left the building, and you need to get people back into the building somehow. We we need we we don't need detox or deprogram. We need like one of those healthy rejuvenation programs that you go to Arizona well, to get. I'm sure that I'm sure that Sam Howe 
We'll 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 make a line around the stadium. There'll be a line around Ghost Town Field. What if what if this happens like really quickly and the new owners, you know, get like it doesn't take two months, it takes two weeks and they come in and they just clean house right away. I know you hired well, Eric Bieniemy, but that's not I've had this But that that was my that was my point of hiring Eric Bieniemy is you basically handcuff the new owner if best case scenario a new owner could have an impact like by the end of March. Who's out there? I don't even know who's out there that they could bring in. I mean I don't know. Sean Payton Probably they pro- probably nobody. Probably nobody. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I I let I let you Make a move for a guy like Jim Harbaugh, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think <laughs> I think we are absolutely stuck with uh, Ron Rivera, Jason Wright, the CBO, um, and all of the people that are out there for 2023. I think at the end of 2023, that's when they assess what happened in 2023 and they go from there. Well, that that would be disappointing if I'm a Commanders fan. I mean, again, that would be Ted. Keeping to Ernie in charge. It's too when he late. Takes to, over it's too team. late to do anything. No, it's, it's not. You can do something. You can in some. You can do something. You got to figure out how to do something. You're forgetting. You've Sam to. Sam Howell's going to save everybody. That's right. I for, I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, let's talk about some other things, including Ed Cooley. Uh, being the Georgetown coach, which I talked about a little bit, but I want to get your thoughts. Also, um, back to the commanders as well, uh, a receiver left the team yesterday, and he was actually one of my favorite players. Um, More on that after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tommy, tell us uh, about Shelley's. Well, I, I've told you this before about Shelley's back room. I mean, the interior of the place uh, is just exquisite. I mean, it, it's the kind of place you walk in, and it feels like one of those rustic uh, alpine, uh, <laughs> you know, A-frame houses. Uh-huh. You know that that's that's it's this great wood and leather everywhere. You know, these great chairs and couches that they've got. Uh, snow I mean, should it, be it, falling just, outside, and you should look yes. through the window and see snow falling, but that hasn't happened at all here this winter. Maybe next winter. No, but what? but my point is, this, it, as good as it is inside, with spring, first day of spring here, okay, it may take a while to get here, 
But there's nothing better than sitting outside in the outdoor seating area at Shelley's and watching everyone walk up and down F Street with their briefcases and their bags, hustling and bustling, and you're just sitting there <laughs> watching the world go by, the smoking best. your quality cigar, yeah. drinking your, your top uh, shelf uh, whiskey, uh, and saying, boy, these people, if they stopped and looked at me, they'd say, boy, I wish I was you. And you're looking you know, at them saying lot, what? By the Suckers? Way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This really brings I mean, joy to your heart. Sitting outside with a stogie and a beer watching other people work. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and don't underestimate awesome. that. There's a lot of value in that. I guess. Look, Shelly's back room is, 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 is the place to be, whether you're inside or outside. Mm-hmm. 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Okay. Um, love Shelly's. Uh, anyway, um so Ed Cooley's the new coach at Georgetown. I mean, he's going to get paid a lot of money. Uh, I talked about it yesterday in the podcast. I want your thoughts on it as well. But Ed Cooley sent out a long tweet um, this morning. Um, and, man, the reaction to it is they, they feel betrayed in Providence, that's for sure. I mean, remember, he's going from one biggie school to another. That doesn't happen a lot, you know, unless you get fired. You don't leave a situation that you've got a, a great situation to go to another team in your own conference. But he tweeted out, Friartown, what a ride this has been. We created something so special for this school in this city when no one believed we could. From 2011 to 2023, we turned this program into one of the most special men's basketball programs in the country. I'd like to send a big thank you to our fans, student body, alumni, donors, season ticket holders, current and past coaches on the staff, student managers, graduate assistants, and the incredible team at the uh, Amica Mutual Pavilion, the city of Providence and the state of Rhode Island. I also want to thank President Ken Sicard, Athletic Director, yada, yada, yada. Lastly, most importantly, I want to thank all of my current and former players for believing in us. Thank you for putting it all on the line in every single game in black and white. Thank you. God bless. Go Friars. I mean, I'm looking, this always happens, right, in these situations, but you're a fraud. Providence fans deserved better. Traitor. Fraud. Coward. Um, fraud. Uh, and then lots of, you know, different emojis um, and, 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 and gifs and gifs. Um, I wish you no good luck, Ed. Thanks for betraying and giving up on your team midseason. You know, he put his house on the market on March 3rd, apparently. Um, that was uh, out there yesterday. Uh, man, it's brutal. Um, the, the, I didn't, to be honest with you yesterday, Tommy, I didn't even think of it in terms of, I should have, it didn't occur to me for whatever reason to think about it in terms of, Leaving one school where you're under contract and you've been successful and then going to a rival team in your same league, that is bold. It is bold. Just take, think about the days when Maryland was in the ACC and uh, you, if you had something like that happen within the ACC. Think, I mean, I, it, there, it, it would be horrific yeah, for, th- for the fans who lost their coach. Right. It would be. I mean, it, you know, like if Gary left after, before winning the national championship, you know, yes. it's the, the four sweet 16s and he leaves to go to UVA or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that would be, that would, yeah, that would just be terrible. It, it would be bad. It would be bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like if he was going to, if he was going to a bigger program and a different conference, 
there probably wouldn't be nearly as much animosity. No, no. The, the, the animosity is because he's taking a job with, by the way, if you're a Providence fan, you look at Georgetown, you don't look at Georgetown the same way that you know others look at Georgetown. It's been a long time for Georgetown. They haven't had an at-large bid in like eight years. You know, they have been yes. at the bottom of the league here during the Patrick years. And, you know, the, the, the Patrick Ewing, John Thompson years, or even Allen Iverson years, we're talking about a quarter century plus, um, you know, from the Iverson years. And uh, so, I mean, I, I actually had this um, debate a little bit with, uh, with Barry's Verluga this morning on the radio show. You know, and he said, look, Georgetown's brand, longstanding brand, makes it a better job than Providence. I don't think it's that much better of a job. I mean, Georgetown does have a brand. It's a natural recruiting area, obviously. But, man, Providence, they're the only show in town. You know, I know that they're a Boston, you know, town in terms of sports fans. I flew into TF Green every single week, Tommy, for about two years. Um, TF Green being the airport in Providence, uh, because I worked in Boston, but I, um, uh, they're really, you know, they're, they're, they, they're, they're a big time show in Providence. They sell out that Dunkin' Donuts center. They have a terrific pr- practice facility and the program's beloved. Look, they've had Rick Barnes. They've had Rick Patino. Um, you know, they've had great teams. You remember Marvin Barnes and Ernie D. Gregorio. They beat, they beat Maryland in an elite eight with lefty to get to a final four. Um, back in 1973, I mean, uh, Patino took him to the Final Four. Um, it's a like uh, uh, John Fanta, who I absolutely love, who's a Fox Sports, Fox College basketball analyst. He's great. I have him on the show all the time uh, on the radio show. I absolutely love him. I think he's really sharp. He said that Ed Cooley is going to Georgetown because you can win a national championship at Georgetown. I think you can win a national championship at Providence. I know they haven't, and Georgetown has. But look at the, you know, I think you can win a national championship in a lot of places. Butler was in a national championship game. You know, the, yes. the, against, I agree with you. You know, I, I agree with you. Uh, and uh, But I, I do agree with Barry that George, Georgetown's probably a better job because of the brand. But that brand is hanging on by its fingernails. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Georgetown, you could argue, is closer to being a Patriot League team than it is a Big East team. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no disrespect, really, to Colgate or Navy or AU or, come on, help me, Holy Cross. <laughs> um, is, I mean, Loyola, really? is Loyola Baltimore? A Patriot League team? I don't know. Is Army in a Patriot League team? <laughs> Shit, I think now, so. now you're going to make me look this up. I can't. Okay. Uh, but, but but my point is, I know what your I mean, point they, is. They, but they're they're they, 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 yeah. they, they're not going to be relegated. They're not going to be relegated. Colgate, Navy, Lehigh, Army, BU, Lafayette, AU, Loyola, yes, of Baltimore, Holy Cross. And Bucknell, I should have gotten Bucknell. They've had some really good teams. Bucknell has, um, and Georgetown, <laughs> and Georgetown <laughs> fits right in. No, they don't. Yes. It's Georgetown, you know. And by the way, he's going to turn it around quickly because you can do that in college hoops now with the portal. 
He's going to get some transfers, yeah. and they're going to be knocking on the door year one. I don't even know what they had this year or what they have coming back, but he will get a bunch of transfers in there. And by the way, Patino will at St. John's, and both of those teams will be knocking on the door for the tournament, if not next year or the year after. Probably. Anyway, Cam Sims left the Commanders to – go to Vegas. When I saw that news, I guess it wasn't like a a major shock. He was an unrestricted free agent, and he signs a deal. I haven't seen the the terms of the deal um, for Cam Sims. But, you know, I always felt like he was not utilized to what they could have. Now, part of that is the quarterback and the quarterbacking, and I'm sure a bunch of you will blame Scott Turner for a lot of that as well. Fine. Um, but he was their big receiver, especially when Logan Thomas wasn't an option. I mean, he's 6'5", 230 or whatever he was. And I still remember the game um, that he had against the Steelers in 2020, which really is Ron Rivera's best win. Um, I mean, you could, you could say the Philadelphia win on Monday Night Football this year. I mean, remember, Washington ended an 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. attempt at perfection. And this year ended... And that was on the road. That on the, was on the road. That was in Pittsburgh. And so was the Eagles game this year on Monday night when the Eagles yeah. were, what were they, 9-0? 8-0, 9-0, like that when Washington went in there and won. I mean, they've had two really solid wins. The, the 2020 game was played on a Monday afternoon because Pittsburgh had played a COVID rescheduled game on the previous Wednesday against uh, RG3 and the Ravens because Jackson was out. And I remember Tommy. I mean, I, I don't. I, I, re, I usually remember my losses more than my wins. Um, every gambler does. But I remember I had Washington as a smell test pick against the Steelers, and I bet them on the money line uh, that day to go in there and beat Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh was like, you know, coming in on five days, you know. And Washington had played Thanksgiving Day twelve days earlier, and so they had all this rest and. And they were still down in that game, but Cam Sims had a monster game. He caught five balls for 92 yards and had a huge one-handed grab on a big third down in the fourth quarter when they drove down for, I think it was a field goal or maybe the go-ahead touchdown. But I always liked Cam Sims. I always thought that they didn't get enough out of him. Um, Look, they must, they must have liked him because they kept bringing him back. Yeah. And so he'll, yeah. you know, he'll be with Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas as a Raiders wide receiver. So I think he we'll was the longest tenure team. I think he was their longest tenured player. Uh, is that true? Really? Yes, we've talked about this before. We have uh, last summer. Yeah, and you went through looking it up, and I think he's he's their longest tenured player. Holy shit, that's unbelievable! For, because he's been with yeah. the team four years. That's that, uh-huh. that 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 can't be that that's not right. John Allen's been with the team okay. longer. John Allen's definitely been with the team. Okay. He was drafted in 2017. Okay. <laughs> well, did, did we really have this conversation? Yeah, we did. We had this conversation. Well, it's not Cam uh, Sims. John Allen was drafted by this team in 2017. Cam Sims was a rookie in 2019, I think. I mean, I'll look it up. No, I think 2018. 2018. So John Allen he was, was here. signed as an unredrafted free agent in 2018. In 2018. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, John Allen's been here a year longer. Maybe it's the longest tenured okay. offensive player. Maybe that's what you're thinking about. 
Tressway's Maybe obviously been here longer than anybody. Player who I liked. <laughs> Maybe Tressway's been here longer than anybody. That was it. The longest tenured player on offense. It was okay. Well, we'll change it to yeah. that. Um, there was something else football-wise. Uh, Kuiper came out with his updated mock draft board, and he's got for those of you that really want um, Witherspoon, the corner from. Uh, Illinois, he's now got him up to number eight overall to Atlanta. Um, so that is, you know, that's eight picks before Washington. He's got Washington taking a corner, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. He ran a 4.35 at the combine, uh, but he did weigh in at just 166 pounds. By the way, he's got Deontay Banks, who really played well at Maryland as the pick after. Uh, as a cornerback, um, but he's got all the quarterbacks gone uh, by. He's got Richardson as the last quarterback of the four being taken at number five. So he's got four quarterbacks in his top five. Stroud won to Carolina, Young to Houston. Uh, Indy trades up and takes Levis, and then the Seahawks take Anthony Richardson at five, even though you know they re-signed Geno Smith on a three-year uh, deal. Um, I, apparently, the Geno Smith contract really is more of a one-year deal that reads like a three-year deal, um, like a lot of these deals end up being. Um, but uh, that was one thing I wanted to mention. And then the other thing is, you know, um, Ron Rivera has talked a lot about um, being fine with the tight end room that they have with Logan Thomas and Cole Turner and John Bates and Armani Rogers and the real big kid. Uh, What's the big kid's name from Arizona State? Um, fuck. Uh, the guy that was in camp last year. What? This is happening so often, though. This is not. Is this a? This can't be a good sign. Hodges. Hodges. Curtis Hodges uh, was a tight end. I think he's still on the roster. I may be wrong. He may not even be on the roster. But anyway, um, I. I believe him now because all the free agent tight ends and traded tight ends, Dalton Schultz signed a one-year $9 million deal in Houston. Gusecki's in New England. And now if they want a new tight end, if they feel like they need one, they'd have to address it through the draft. So he must really think Logan Thomas is, you know, last year was the year after the injury, the serious injury, and that this year is going to be a much better year for Logan Thomas at age 32. I like Logan Thomas. I think he's got a lot of ability. I don't think Cooley loves him, Um, but... Uh, I, you know, he's got to be healthy because he was not, it didn't appear to be the same Logan Thomas last year as we saw. I mean, there were some massive missed blocks. Think about the giant game in the Meadowlands when they were driving in overtime and they got stopped on that second down two yard loss or three yard loss or whatever it was. It was Logan Thomas completely whiffing, um, on a block, but, um, yeah, so uh, you've got that. Um, lastly, I do want to circle back to, ta- to Taylor Heineke's comments and get your thoughts on uh, what Taylor Heineke said in his introductory press conference last week. I didn't forget that, people. I wrote it down. I've got it right here to bring it up with Tommy to see what his reaction is now about Taylor Heineke leaving. Uh, and we will get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. That was very tough. You know, that's, I feel like that's a, that's a home for me. Um, you know, I've built a lot of great relationships there. There's a lot of great memories there. 
um, you know, they, they gave me my second chance at football and, um, uh, there's a lot of special people up there, but you know, it's, you know, I'm going from one home to another. Um, so it's, it's a pretty easy process, but I'll be lying to you not to say I was, you know, a little heartbroken, um, to leave those people up there. Atlanta said they were interested from the beginning. I uh, didn't know how much, how interested they were, but, um, there was some interest there. And, um, honestly, I was about to sign back with Washington about two or three days ago and Atlanta comes in with a, with a better offer. And, and I sat back and thought about it and, you know, my family's from around here. I'm from around here. Um, you know, my little nephew's going to be able to come see me at training camp and, and go to the game. So, you know, that was, that was a big part of it. And I'm just happy to be home and, 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 uh, you know, do that for my family. That was Taylor Heineke last week when he was introduced to the Atlanta media after signing um, with the Falcons. I'll ask Tommy for his reaction to that. I, I will repeat my reaction to it that I had on Friday when I played it, but I do want to mention to everybody that this segment is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC, and you can essentially deposit your money, wager that amount one time, and then you're eligible to cash out. Most books don't let you do that. My bookie does. It's perfect for the NCAA tournament. You got the Sweet 16 uh, coming up. By the way, they've got a $50,000 bracket contest for the Sweet 16 uh, at my bookie. Um, and some of the point spreads for the Sweet 16 games, which should be great, by the way, um, are interesting. Michigan State laying two to the three-seed, Kansas State. Michigan State's a seven-seed, and they're favored by two over the three-seed. Uh, if you don't think that's a lot of respect for Izzo, um, you haven't been following the sport. Uh, go to mybookie.ag. Kevin DC. you need to put my promo code into the promo code section, and they'll let you deposit and then cash out quickly once you wager that first deposit amount one time. So that was Taylor Heineke. In his introductory press conference last week, um, you know, saying very nice things, talking about how you know he's you know it's heartbreaking um, for to to, to leave uh, Washington, that he really thought that he was coming back to Washington, that he was about to resign, but Atlanta came in with you know a better deal and there was a chance to go home, etc. It didn't sound to me like a guy that had a major problem and that there was no chance that he was coming back because Ron Rivera was still here. Assess. Again, uh, I don't know why we're going through this again. <laughs> I haven't changed a bit. Okay? I'm going to stick <clears throat> with what his good friend <clears throat> and former college coach Bobby Wilder told Al Galdi, who said, I can't reveal the private parts of my conversation but what was very apparent is that at one point there was a disconnect between Taylor and Rivera for obvious reasons. We all saw it, okay? Uh, we saw what happened. And then he said, between Taylor, his agent, the conversations with Scott Turner, with Ron, it became clear that it was time to move on in a different direction. Mm. You know, Taylor is going to say all the right nice things. Because that, I mean, because he's not a rock to vote guy. But this is this is one of his closest confidants telling you what happened. I'm sticking with that. Now, again, would he have come back to Washington if if he didn't have any other options? He wasn't going to cut off his nose despite his face. But I think the emotions he's talking about are with the locker room, not with the coach. Yeah, I just 
I don't know. I mean, it sounds like there were, you know, the Falcons were interested and Washington was interested and he was about to re-sign with Washington, but Atlanta came up with a better deal and he took the better deal because in part he's, he gets to go home. But it sounds to me, and I go back to what John Keim told me the morning that he signed with Atlanta, literally 20 minutes before the announcement came out that he had, or the report came out that he had signed with Atlanta, Keim was absolutely convinced he was about to sign a two-year, $10 million deal to stay in Washington, um, and uh, that that was close. Look, I agree with you. He's not a rock-the-boat guy, and I certainly would hold out the possibility that he's just going to take the high road Um, regardless, and that his intention was to never come back to Washington. I'm not saying that that's impossible, but uh, he, he sold me on that it was really close. Again, it's possible that he was able to sell me on something that wasn't true. But in listening to that, I kind of felt Is it possible that he had two choices and that's it? Atlanta and Washington? Is it possible? Yes. It's possible. Okay, well, if that's possible, like I said, he wasn't going to say, well, I'm not going to play in the NFL. Yeah, but Atlanta... Rather than play for that coach again. But Atlanta had expressed interest early on, so there was a deal there, and he was ready to sign with Washington, but Atlanta came back and offered him more money. Right, and that could be agent leverage. Whatever. I'm just... I, I don't believe that the only reason he would re-sign with Washington is if no other team... Had been interested. I, I, I'm not Again, saying I'm he right. Liked the I'm not saying right. He liked his teammates. Mm-hmm. Right. But his godfather was gone, and that was Scott Turner. Right. All right. Whatever. It's Taylor Heineke. How about Goodell signing okay. a new contract? I know. Multi year extension, $63.9 million per year is what he was making per a 2020 New York Times report. He's made $500 million since becoming the commissioner in 06. And now he's going to sign a multi-year extension next week per Adam Schefter. We don't know for how much. Let's just say it's a slight raise to $70 million per year. I, I knew that he made an unbelievable amount of money, but my God, is that ridiculous money for a commissioner? Of a league, I, I don't like 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 Tony Soprano would say, he's a good earner. He's a good earner, exactly. That's what he he, he makes them money. Right. We make money with Roger. This uh, is what they would say in the mob. I know. I just think that <laughs> you 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 can make money with Roger and pay him you know ten million a year, not seventy million a year. Seems like $10 million a year would still be an unbelievable salary. It's really unbelievable. Like, what does Adam Silver make? Um, I mean, there's it's no way near there, right? It's, it's not even close. I don't think it is, but Adam Silver, actually, his name has come up. $10 million as, as bucks. Possible, really? Yeah, he makes $10 million a year. His name has come up as a possible new head for uh, Disney, Adam I Silver. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Look at are you going to watch the WBC tonight? Is it Japan in the U.S.? Yes, this is a title game. The things have been fantastic. I know. I, I've heard that it's been really good. I, I mean, it's during March Madness. I haven't watched any of it. There are no games on tonight. So, what? Wh- right. What time is it? And what's seven it on? Seven o'clock on Seven o'clock on FS Fox Sports One. Okay. 
I mean, when did this become like a big deal? Otani. Well, uh, I mean, it's been a big deal on and off. It's an every four year thing. Uh, but the fact that there were so many U.S. players that committed to the American team this year, I think made it a much bigger deal. And with Mike Trout leading the way, uh, you know, all the other players were willing to sign on for it. Uh, and the one, good, one great thing about this is that people don't realize this is a total partnership between the union and, and baseball. This isn't a baseball thing. The U, it's like a 50-50 partnership between the players' union and baseball. Uh, so for, and for a, a business that's had so many fractious labor negotiations in the past, it's good that they have a business that they cooperate with. And the WBC is the cooperation between the owners and the players. And I think it's great. I think it's a great event. And I think baseball, which does a poor job of marketing itself, can use events like this. Uh, who's going to win? Uh, I'm going to go with the United States. I'm going to go with Mike Trout and Trey Turner, who will probably have four home runs tonight. Who, who's who's the U.S.'s starting pitcher? I think it's Adam Rainwhite. Rainwhite, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, don't ask me who the Japanese starter is either. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, is it you, Darvish? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just. No, I, it's not. Okay. It's not you, Darvish. And I don't think it's Otani, but Otani will pitch. I think mm-hmm. at some point. I could be wrong. Okay. Seven o'clock. Yes. I can't wait. I'll watch it. I mean, I, I've heard that it's been very exciting. I mean, other than the injury to Diaz, right? That was not yes. that was not a, a good thing for for him. Um, but uh, I uh, and Jose Altuve Altuve got hurt too. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I should watch that instead of watching the Wizards game tonight <laughs> against the Magic. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm uh, begging you. Uh, I, I I think I can do that. All right. You got anything else? Oh, I know Something what I, I for hold you, on, Mark. hold on. There was one more thing that I wanted to what? talk to you about. Did you what? see, did you see this story with this woman, Taylor Mathis? Do you know, who, do you know that yeah. name here in the last 24 hours? Yeah. So Taylor, no, so Taylor Mathis was working for an organization called Sportbook. It was, um, uh, one of the uh, Superbook, excuse me, Superbook. It was, you know, a, a sports gambling site where they've got somebody, uh, you know, in, in, in a young female who's kind of attractive, who's, you know, talking up, you know, sports betting and giving analysis. And you see a lot of that with not only the sports books, but a lot of the, you know, sports tout, you know, uh, services, you know, the, the help services yes. like BetQL and others. Um, but um, so... She, I'll read, I'll read what happened in her words. Um, so she's working for this Superbook, the, na- the name of the company is Superbook. And last Thursday, she writes, um, I went back to Illinois for my sister's baby shower. She asked me to come into her classroom. Her sister is a second grade teacher. Asked me to come into her classroom and help her out. Our original plan was to show the class how a scorecard works in baseball as baseball is what I concentrate on professionally. Then I said, why don't we do a bracket? It's March Madness, and it can be relevant to them because it's going on now. 
She said that they loved it, especially a group of basketball-crazed boys in her class. Um, so she went in Thursday. Uh, the, the teacher told her sister that they'll love it. She goes in Thursday. They they work on brackets for an hour and a half. She's explaining, you know, what the one seed means and the 16 seed. And she said, we went around in a circle, and each kid said their name and an interesting fact. And um, I told them about what I did, and we started picking teams, and I was explaining the seeding process and when it was – uh, all over, um, you know, the entire group had picked Alabama to win the whole thing, and then we had pizza. We had a big pizza party. Well, she tweeted out about the fun that she had with her sister's second grade class picking brackets. Well, people were pretty supportive, but her employer was not. This is what her employer said. She gets an email from her boss at Superbook She was told Superbook got an email from a gambling reform group. The group accused this young woman, Taylor Mathis, and by extension, Superbook, of child grooming. She was fired by Superbook for showing up to a second grade class and helping them fill out their brackets. I mean, I read this this morning because Denton, my producer, sent it to me. I mean, second graders and third graders are seeing these ads for sports books and gambling legalized. And every time they sit down, every time they go to their phone, if they have a phone, every time they turn on a game to watch with their parents on any, on any network. I mean, first of all, let me just tell you, teaching kids how to gamble isn't really a good thing. But if you learn how to gamble or you learn about sports, you're also learning about numbers. It's a very good math lesson for kids. And she actually said it's, you know, it's great for their math skills, the conversation that we had. But she wasn't pushing three-team parlays. She wasn't pushing, you know, super book over BetMGM, you know, and by the way, don't forget, sign up today and, you know, you're going to be able to get, you know, a $1,000 free bet if you lose your first $1,000 in bets. She just was filling out brackets. She got fired. I mean, where are we now? Seriously. You got to be smarter than that, though. You got to be smarter knowing the risk of putting it out there. P- putting it out there on social yeah, I, media? I, 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 yeah. Yes. I mean, you, you've got to be smarter than that. Yeah, I mean, you, of course there was going to be some kind of blow. You may think it's ridiculous, but there was going to be a blowback. Somebody somewhere was going to say you're teaching them how to gamble. Okay, I'll, I'll okay. I, I will. I, I'll, I'll agree with you that if I had been asked to go do that with a second grade class, I probably would have just tweeted out something like, "It was great visiting with Mrs. Harris's second grade class. Yeah. The kids were great. They asked me a bunch of questions about the NCAA tournament, and we talked about the you know the tournament. That's true." That doesn't. You know, that is, doesn't mean. Is, that doesn't mean that is, she should have been fired. That's ridiculous. But this is a. This is of the school of thought. Is not everything. The world doesn't need to know everything you do. I. And take it from me. That's from a guy yeah, who tweets out a lot of stuff that God I do. God damn, you do. But 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 I, I I just said to you that's fine. I'll agree with you that it probably wasn't smart to tweet that out. But it's ridiculous that she was fired. Ridiculous. If she went back and told her employer what she did and they didn't fire her, that would be fine. She did, apparently. But, uh, right and now? They, she explained everything to them, exactly what she, she did, and they fired her anyway. Right. 
Yeah, I know that, but without the tweet. She's been hired immediately um, uh-huh. by some other outfit. Uh, you got to get her on your show. Some other um, gambling company hired her. Some other sports book, I think, hired her. But the whole thing's ridiculous. I mean, there are kids, second graders, third graders, all over the country filling out brackets, whether it's with friends or with family, you know, on ESPN.com or Sportsline.com, family brackets. Kids are filling out brackets, seven- and eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds all over the country. Stupid. Calm down. Calm down, buddy. You don't think, you don't think a lot of seven- and eight-year-olds have filled out brackets? No, I don't think a lot of seven- and eight-year-olds have filled up brackets unless they're bracketing what's their favorite PBS uh, kids show, Barney? Is Barney still on? No. <laughs> I don't think a lot a lot are doing that. I bet you they are. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Okay. Okay, buddy. <laughs> okay, champ. Um, I'll talk to you on Thursday, uh, and I don't know what we'll have to talk about, but probably maybe something on ownership. All right, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.